0: Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk.
1: So I was asked to speak on, well, the question was about how do we engage with our community and become expert at speaking to the unchurched and what energy and resource must we make available for other things outside of the church service. So just to introduce myself, I suppose, most people know who I am, but um, I'm Anna, I'm married to Andy. We do all the church stuff that Tom mentioned earlier, but we've also got three boys aged five, three and one, which is uh, always a bit of a challenge. (laughs) And together with Andy, we own three companies we employ over 80 staff members, which is unbelievable to me how we've managed that. We've also got an Airbnb business and we own four, nearly five properties at the moment. So we're passionate about building um, business and entrepreneurship and also obviously building church. So at Global, we believe that a healthy church is not just linked to numbers Um, in our services, so here, but also our influence in the community and our reach into the community. Most people we meet day to day won't come with us to a church service straight away, so it's important that, you know, we bring the good news to them where they're at in the community as well as in the church service. So how do we bring this good news to people in our communities and social circles? And I talked about Reaching the influencers. So historically in church, we talk quite a lot about people who are kind of needy. And, you know, the poor, the destitute, the um, people who are in crisis and they need help, the downcast. Those That kind of language, historically in other churches, is quite common. But I want to say, well, a lot in global we talk about this other category of people who are not particularly in need. And they're doing all right with life, thanks very much. Um, They're doing pretty well. They've got a great family. They've got relationships and community. Got money. They've got a flourishing business or career. um, They've got social status, respect. They've got standing in the community. They're educated. They're articulate. They may have lots of knowledge and experience. They throw parties and events and they organize things. uh, They go big and they're lavish and they're fun and they're generous and they're confident. And so in life, they're doing good. Thanks very much. And so why do they need church? You might call these, we might refer to these people as like the influencers in our community. So as I've said, at Global, we believe we are called to influence the influencers. And why do we say this? And it's because they have huge impact for good in the community. When this type of person starts coming to church, they bring people with them. They're articulate in the faith, they're easy, they're uncomplicated, <laughs> they're often low-maintenance, and they're fun and interested to be around. And when they become a Christian, a whole community pays attention. But to reach this type of person, it does uh, take balls, I would say, for want of a better phrase. And so as a church, we've got to be at their level. They're not going to pay attention to us if we've got nothing to bring to the table. So, and sometimes it can be a bit more scary to reach these kind of people because you've got to have it all together. Sorry, you don't have to have it all together, but they're looking for somebody who can bring them something. So we've got to have something to offer. Um, and standing next to them, you can <laughs> often feel kind of insecure or inadequate or um, it's much easier to help somebody who obviously needs our help than to go for someone who has, who has it all together. And it's easier to minister down to somebody than it is to minister up sometimes. So, I mean, what do we have to offer? Well, we've got the greatest thing ever. We've got Jesus Christ. (laughs) We've got the gospel, the good news. We've got freedom from our past mistakes and insecurities. We've got confidence, you know, the opportunity for confidence and contentment with life is a purpose and significance to life. We've got healing from pain and fears. We've got a chance to wipe the slate clean, and we've got assurance of eternal life. (laughs) Like, that's pretty awesome. But we've got to get this into their context. So how do we do that? And I just had four points. The first one being uh, leadership. So we have to be leaders in our community, and that's outside of the church. You know, influencers aren't looking towards Joe blogs. They're looking for movers and shakers, people who can add to their lives, and we need to broaden our lives in every area. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and he was at one with sinners, it says in the Bible. But um, when you share the gospel, the gospel is good news, so we've got to be good news. And it's great to be with Dave and Shelley, who paved the way <laughs> in this area. You know, the last one out of the bars, uh, the first on the dance floor, <laughs> the first to buy the drinks, first to make a toast um, first to give generously and first to sacrifice what they want for the good of others. And as a church, we're good at throwing parties. You know, we are the party. We're in the bars, the pubs, the clubs. We're doing the fireworks nights, we're doing the Easter egg hunts (laughs) for the kids. You know, we're celebrating anniversaries and the weddings. We're doing church in a nightclub (laughs) at Christmas. We're going to wine bars and pubs after the services. And every week we do dinner, parties. (laughs) Parties. (laughs) They're meant to be fun. So, yeah, in Isaiah 54 verse 2, in the NIV version, it says, "'Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes.'" And another translation, the New Living Translation says, in the same verse, it says, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. So that leads me on to my second point, which is prosperity. So we talk about prosperity a lot, you know, prosperity of the soul, prosperity of finances, but it's because prosperity has a purpose. So, you know, it increases your capacity to do good for others. And, you know, things flourishing in our lives show that God's power and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And we can only take people as far as we've gone. From our own own experience, we help people. So we need to pave the way in life. You know, start a business or go for a promotion or just act on an idea, ask questions and get answers. You know, keep pushing for the answers. Don't give up. Be creative and rise up. It's a challenge for me as well, all the time, doing this. It's quite a challenge for me. But um, so, yeah, how do we keep it sustainable, though? And that's my third point, which is uh, integrity. And people in the community are desperate for authenticity. So we don't live two lives. We don't live a church life and then a life outside of church that's totally different. You know, we're not putting on our Sunday best. We live one life. So we be and do what we preach. And, you know, I was talking to all these church leaders, so just trying to say, like, we're not sort of two people, one on the stage and then one in everyday life. So, yeah, integrity, it's still no compromise. It's still God's word, God's way, but we're the, and we're the same, same, but different. We'll say that quite a bit in global. So... You might be thinking, some of the influences, though, aren't influences for good. They're influences for bad. And, you know, they're not doing great in the community. They're actually leading people astray or whatever. But we would say they're influences nevertheless. And so we want everybody in church. And in Luke 14, Jesus talks about us being, well, uh, the salt of the earth. And in biblical times, there were two purposes for salt. The first was um, disinfecting what was bad. So you'd put it on like a dung heap or a manure pile to sort of disinfect it and make sure, you know, nothing spreads. That can be interpreted as when we are salt in the world, we're influencing the bad influences for good and we're turning them to influence for good. And the second use was about fertilising what's good. So, you know, they put it in the field to fertilise the crops. And, you know, as a church, we will give the good influences, we need purpose, greater wisdom, strength, and confidence. So my last point, so my last point was about friendship, and just about, you know, sometimes we can sort of have friends with people outside, you know, that aren't Christians, and we're kind of always trying to be friends with them to sort of get them into church, and that can be a trap almost for a lot of people who've been a Christian for a long time. And it's a challenge for me, and I was, you know, challenging everyone at Eurolead to say like, how many friends do we have with people who aren't Christians? How many genuine friendships? You know, a genuine friendship being a reciprocal arrangement. (laughs) It's kind of, it goes two ways. And, you know, I was saying, you know, we want to be a church who have many, many genuine friendships with people who aren't Christians. I think people can sense if we've got an agenda of getting them to church, the relationship will die because it's not sustainable. It's not real friendship. So, you know, we regularly ask, like, unchurched people who aren't in the church uh, to help us. They've got ideas, you know, creativity. We ask them to join a team to babysit for us. We impose ourselves on them because that's what friends do. (laughs) And... You know people I've heard especially men um, want to be, want to be useful and they want to be included, and they want a course to get behind so all in all i 'm not saying um, that we should ignore people in gen- genuine need in favor of hanging out with somebody more influential, but I would say there is a difference between people in need and needy people so of course, as global we do we help have you know help people along the way. And we'll put people in touch with counsellors or, you know, medical services. But we do play to our strengths. And, you know, we're not necessarily a church for everyone, but we are a church for someone. So, in conclusion, when it comes to measuring our... I was saying to the Eurolead, when it comes to measuring, you know, a church's health, church attendance on a Sunday is one way, but not the most in-depth. And our reach is greater than our attendance. And another measure we could look at is to look at parties and when we invite non-Christians and people who don't come to church, how many actually want to come? <laughs> and how many parties are we invited to by non-Christians? And, and so why not, instead of continuing to pour time and energy into befriending the needy, we should just get our acts together, start leading by example, and have a bit of fun along the way.
2: Brilliant. Hey. Wow. Yeah, Anne had the longest talk. <laughs> which if you don't know Anna, she hates public speaking, <laughs> um, but good, good, good. Right, so I was talking about um, structures for growth, and uh, it was aimed, you know, obviously a church conference for, for how to grow churches, but I was thinking even today, what I'm, I guess the, the principles or the thoughts I was bringing was really for, uh, it's for people, it's for, you know, for your own life, for, for family life, for work life, uh, for business, um, they're kind of common, like it's, it's not just for church that we need kind of structures or structures for growth. So um, I kind of dissected it a little bit and looked at kind of growth, because if we want to grow, we've got to be intentional about it, and, and growth requires a vision, something that kind of excites you, something that gets you out of bed in the morning, something that's bigger in the future than your current reality today, whether that's, you know, a better marriage or a, a career promotion or more money or a bigger church or more churches, <laughs> Whatever it is, we need to have a vision, something clear in our mind's eye that we can see. And then from that vision, we need to be intentional about moving towards it, having a determinedness to kind of like go for it. You know, it, it takes effort, work. And another kind of thing, closely associated work, is thinking, which I know some of us, you know, it just can't be bothered sometimes to just stop and think. And uh, we, we like the busyness of life without kind of considering, are we actually moving towards the vision and having a, a no-victim mentality. So when something goes wrong or we get, you know, it, things have to change because of circumstance or society or situations, we don't just play the victim. We say, no, no, I'll have to readjust, rethink my plan. You know, in, in, when we're going for growth and we're going for that vision, we cannot be victims. We have to take hold of it. And to summarize all those things, it needs courageous leadership. And that's what we're passionate about in global is creating courageous leaders. So growth also requires faith. Um, using the spiritual word, but really I've also thought about it in my own life where it's often letting go of my own control to allow more people in to affect change. You know, in business, I've got to let more people in to the business to build it. It can't just be down to me or me and Anna. And in church, the same is true. In your life, there'll also be things where you need to let people in or thoughts, you know, better thoughts into your mind, into your world so that you can actually Get a greater, uh, um, you know, forward motion in your life. You have to let go. It's not easy. It's not easy letting go of those thoughts that you've had on repeat forever. <laughs> you know, you can't remember why you dress yourself the way you do. I mean, let's think about it right now. Why have you dressed yourself this morning? You didn't consciously think necessarily. You've got your style or your kind of, you've got your wardrobe, I guess. But you just do it without thought, day after day after day after day after day. I mean, what happened if you kind of shaved all your hair off or, you know, you wore pink or blue? I don't know. Or you're, you, you know, dressed in a pinstripe suit. But that, those require conscious thoughts and changes. I'm not saying you do any of those, but you've got to be aware that you, you've got certain thoughts that are just on repeat from the beginning of your life. And sometimes we need to stop and think if that's going to be helpful for our growth or what we're trying to achieve. My next kind of thing was looking at structure. Structure requires logic. It requires strategy and wisdom. And structure helps focus our energy. I had this little picture of a a bullet. You know, you can put a bullet in a vise, tie it up, get a hammer and a nail. (laughs) Don't do this at home. Smash the bullet with your hammer and nail, and and it explodes. And it'll it'll travel about one to two feet. Big explosion, lots of light, sound, everything. Um, But that's it. Put it in a gun, pull the trigger, and that bullet will fly at 600 feet per second for a distance that is all dependent on the size of your gun and length of your barrel. That's the power of, of focusing your energy. Focusing it and we've got to be looking at what we're doing with our life. Yeah. Are we being focused or are we just, is all the energy just dissipating? Gosh. You know, is it just going and not amounting to much? Here's, here's a little quote for us, If uh, it's a bit long, but bear with me. It says, the more confined and structured you are, the freer you are. It is counterintuitive. How can limitation provide freedom? Freedom is the opportunity to be creative, to be a creator. When we have total freedom, we have infinite possibility to do whatever we want. That's often what people are pursuing in life. They want to do whatever they want to do whenever they want. We have the potential to get anything done, but potential does not mean actual. At some point we have to restrict our freedom by filling our week with tasks so that we actually get something accomplished. The idle person who leaves himself free to do what he likes, when he likes, has the potential to accomplish anything. But he actually accomplishes less than the person who rigorously restricts his freedom in order to focus in on what he wants to accomplish. It is he who carves his life and time, his schedule, into granite who is generally, genuinely free. You know, you think of kids. You know, they want freedom. They want to eat what they want. They want to stay up all night long, you know, to the early hours of the morning, playing games, watching TV. If you allow them to do that to the extreme that they want, they will not be free the following day. They will be tired. They won't be able to think straight. They won't be able to perform. They won't be able to enjoy the life. The same is true for us as adults. Um, you know, without a goal and narrowed focus, without placing limits on our potential, our energies are wasted, dissipated, and ineffective. But, just say but. Come on. We need a heart. You know, structures are useless without a heart. No matter how good a structure is... It's just a skeleton, and like any skeleton, a skeleton's there to hold your living organs in place and protect them from all sorts of other things. But without the heart, it is just sterile, it's ineffective, it doesn't really do much. It's a bag of bones, as, as in using the metaphor. So without heart and soul, structures are clinical and sterile, or at worst, just dead. You know, I look at the public sector, and I think it's fraught with structures, and these are outdated policies, procedures that ultimately stifle growth rather than sustain it and allowing, not allowing things to flourish. You know, but the public sector could also be your life. Again, there'll be structures, thought patterns that are in your life that are outdated and that don't support you to grow, that don't support you to flourish in your life. And you've got to dissect those thoughts. Sometimes they're often lies. You know, when we read and we're listening to the worship, we're speaking truth. We're trying to repeat it into our world, into our being, because that truth will start to set us free, just like Jesus came to the world to set people free. But the heart is the why so we do we need to share the why in our life in our with with people around us in church you know otherwise you know people pick up a structure but it's a bit stagnant and not impactful it's a bit like we do stuff and it's just the way it's done here that's really not helpful to explain the why so why do we have you know four songs two fast ones two slow ones because otherwise people just pick up and think that's the rule that's what i have to do so Last thing to finish on is change. Change is scary. You know, when we're talking about all these things, introducing new structures or new things into your life, it requires change. And change is uncomfortable. You know, I don't care who you are and what you say, change is not easy. If I ask you right now to just fold your hands, just just for a moment, that's real, that's beautiful. Um, So now if I ask you to just quickly fold them the other way, And it feels a little bit awkward. It doesn't feel kind of natural. It feels, oh, that's just a tiny little thing, silly. Now you try and change something of significance, and that'll be amplified multiply in in, in your life. So we need heart and structures. It's a bit like the spiritual and the technocratic, you know, but we've got to be careful because otherwise a structure can be a straitjacket to a spiritual person who's all creative. And if it's given too much to the person who's a technocratic, they become a dictator. (laughs) Have you ever met those kind of people at your work? (laughs) This is the way it has to be. And, uh, you know, I, I meet people from both camps, but we need both, structure and heart. And bearing in mind that change is not easy. Um, so in global, you know, we want to produce leaders that are confident, competent, courageous, can tackle whatever the world throws at them in from whatever sphere of life, and that they have high levels of emotional intelligence, adversity quotient, spiritual quotient, to be able to sustain any attack that the enemy in the world around us can throw at us. So be prepared to adjust, reestablish your plans, strategies to scale that mountain, subdue the land, and take dominion. That's the Genesis mandate. And to prosper in every sphere of our life. Don't shy away from it. We can do this, but we've got to work through some of these things. All right, guys, I'll hand you on.
0: What I spoke about was um, the struggle is real. So basically, it was... How do we manage the tension of being low maintenance and being able to talk through stresses that come with life and church? So I think that's very real for all of us. I mean, I'm a a mum of two, I'm a wife, I'm a pastor. I work full-time, I, you know, you've got a lot of, got a lot of lists, I've got a lot of strings to my bow, I'm really busy, as Dave said, you know, we're busy people, our lives are full, so how do we manage being low maintenance, and being able to talk through stress that comes with life, and these are the things that I've learned, and I'm still learning, but one of the things is, uh, how big is your capacity, (laughs) because if your capacity is small, and you only think about me, myself, and I, and my little family, then your stresses in life will be magnified to be quite big. And you'll think, oh my gosh, this is massive. When actually, if you talk to someone whose capacity is quite big, they kind of, it's, its its you know, they deal with that straight away and then move on. So, um, I encourage you to kind of look at your life. What is your capacity? I've had to do the same. What is my capacity? Because sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing too much. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then, <clears throat> but it says this in uh, Proverbs. The life, of the, the life of the generous gets larger and larger. And the life of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And we've used that scripture for uh, finances all the time. But actually, it's not about just finances. It's about life, you know. The world of the generous, if you're generous with your time, generous with uh, going to see people and meeting up with people and getting out of your little four walls and your little life, then your life will get larger and larger. But if it's just about me, myself and I, then your life will be small and that's all it'll ever be. And the next bit to this is amazing and it goes on to what I'm going to say next. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And... uh, my other point my next point is um do you ask for help (laughs) because um I don't ask for help (laughs) and it takes your husband really to say you've got pride in your life he's full of pride (laughs) whatever (laughs) but then it's like yeah yeah yeah, okay yeah it's true it's true so um yeah asking for help doesn't mean that you failed that you can't do it because there's lots of things in my life that i can do and that i get everything together like you know hosting a dinner party we host a dinner party every week and um and that's fine i can do it i can get everything ready and sorted and ready to go but oh it is such a help and i am so abundantly blessed when someone says do you want me to come around and clean your house for you before dinner party yes (laughs) And it's taken me a while to say, yes, please. <laughs> oh, do you want me to come round and feed the kids? I'll put the kids to bed. Or do you want me to come round and cook? It's like, yeah, actually, I do need it. Because we're so, you think as a mum and as a, oh, no, that's my job to do. It's my job. I should be cleaning the house. Nobody else should be cleaning it. But actually, as soon as you say yes, there's a there's a release that happens. And now you're released to do other things. So... Um, have a look is, is pride stopping you for asking for help our global values is real relevant relational and robust um, are we robust <laughs> do you have a thick skin or does every little thing get you down do you moan and complain about everything or actually do uh, do you have a thick skin where you don't let things penetrate you know What's the thing where you have a thick skin but a soft heart? That's how we should live our lives, with a thick skin but with a soft heart. Are we relational? <clears throat> or are Or Again, are we doing things on our own? Do we have friends or do we have just colleagues? Do we have people who we can go to who are going to energize us? You know, not who we have a little gossip with and who we have a little but who are actually going to energise us. So we go to them, and after you've left them, you feel energised. You feel pumped. You feel inspired to keep going. You know That's real friendships. We've got friends in our lives because we're busy people, but as soon as we get into their presence with a bottle of wine and some cheese, we have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> cheese and wine is where it's at. It's always about the cheese and wine you know you feel just instantly relaxed you feel instantly energized you don't even have to talk about your problems or your issues or sit down and let's talk about this it's just having a laugh and when you leave the presence you feel instantly energized because in life you do have drainers and it's and I don't like the word drainers (laughs) because it means a really negative connotation but I'm just saying to Charlotte you know the kids are drainers (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) They are, because you've got people who take and take and take from you. And that's fine. That's what life is about. You give. You give advice. You meet up for coffee with people. You give your time. You give your effort. You, you may be on a team. You give you, you know, We you keep on giving, giving, giving. And that's great, and you'll get refreshed in that. But there's nothing more refreshing than meeting with some friends, letting your hair down. Like what Anna was saying, genuine friends who you can party. You know, that party. Um, so yeah, do we have that in our lives, or do we just have colleagues, people who we just see on a Sunday, people who we just see at a church event? Because it's now it's time for dinner party, and that's when we see those people, and they're our friends. But really, being relational is really important. I think I think that's the biggest thing: people who energise you, being around those people who inspire you. Sometimes you can only spend five minutes with Dave, and you're inspired to set up a business. Property is great. I'm there. I'm there. I'm setting up, you know, orphanages in Tanzania you know you kind of (laughs) but it's inspiring and that's who the people who you need to be around is what you're doing relevant so you know watching a box set isn't relevant. Watching Friends box set isn't relevant. Have a look at your life. Sometimes we're stressed out because we're doing the wrong things. So have a look and see. And the last thing is um, I read a book by a guy called Bill Hybels. And I can't remember what book it was, but it was by Bill Hybels anyway. And he spoke about trickle charging. So instead of waiting for that big holiday, you know, oh, counting down the weeks and the days until the summer holidays or count. And as teachers, as a teacher, we're, we're terrible for it absolutely terrible <laughs> at school they'll be like four more weeks to go two more weeks to go or oh, two more days to go and you just hang in there and then it's like in the holidays it's like oh two more days and then I'm back at school one more days and I'm back at school it's the weekend and it's terrible because you're wishing your life away and it's like But if you adopt this idea of trickle charging where within your life, you know, Anna spoke about one life, within your life, you've got things that charge you, that you know that will charge you. So uh, for me, it's Play, just simple, playing my piano, taking five minutes out of my life to play will recharge me. Um, going for a walk. If nature's your thing, go into the forest or wherever to recharge it. Go into the beach. We love the beach. We love water, being around water. It recharges us, you know, just doing the things that recharge you. For Tom, it's going out on his bike for an hour. Or two it really comes back recharged head cleared recharged. so it's not waiting for the next holiday of counting down or oh, three more weeks until i'm sat in the sun but it's about finding things that recharge you on a weekly basis and that's it that's wow. <laughs> hand you over to sam
3: so I got the topic, which was basically like um, enjoying the God things or like enjoying life. So not, you know, uh, uh, they were saying as a, as a habit, we can get very serious about faith and lives can get very boring. Um, I don't know which church they were talking about, but they weren't talking about us. Just picking up on what Anna said there, I thought Anna's message at the conference was one of the best we heard for the whole thing. She was talking about influencing the influencers. the guy picked up on it on the second day. Um, but I think, I was just thinking earlier, I had a bit of a revelation of like, as church in the UK... It's mainly, if you've been to church in the UK, it's mainly middle class. It's fairly boring, Um, and it's because they've got to a certain point in life where it's like we can help the needy, as Anna's saying. We can help the poor. We can do all that kind of stuff, but then they get comfortable at middle class. What we're doing in Global, and what Dave and Shelley have done, is they're at the front digging the tracks for a new style of church, which is actually we're going to go bigger. We're going to go better. We're going to go further in in life because we're actually money-minded as a church. We're looking at setting up businesses because that's going to make more Money, because then we can influence the influencers. We're not just influencing those who are below us, and then get to a point in life where we think, "Yeah, this is pretty fine." Now we're pretty, you know, we're we're middle class. We've made it. It's like, no, we're now bursting through that to whatever first class, business class. I don't know. I want to fly that one time. So, so the title I gave mine is this: "Love living and live loving." Um, And just to introduce myself, as some of you know me, but. my name's Sam, and uh, I'm married to Vic, who's, um, we pastor our Spurrier Gate Church on the evening. Um, we've both got full-time jobs, we've got a business, we've got two kids, we've also planted a church out in Heworth. and we were saying this at the conference to people, and Shantz and was saying the same, it's like, we've got a job, we're pastor, uh, and they're all like, ooh, really busy, and it's like, Jesus promised us life to what? To the full. So we should have full lives, we should be living full lives as people. Um, So the verse I've uh, got here is in Luke 6, it's 27 to 33, um, and it says this. It says, after this, so after Jesus had healed the paralytic guy, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector um, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now that's, you know, for some... For someone, you can read that and think, oh, it's obvious it was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was all mystical. It's like people didn't know that at the time. So Jesus had something about him that said to this influencer, follow me. And he was like, yeah, I will leave everything to follow you. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to the call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then they said to him, so they didn't get it, then they said to him, well, John's disciples often fast and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, like as in our disciples, they fast and pray. And yours go on eating and drinking. And I wanna say, first of all, my background in church, I came from middle-class church, come from middle-class background. I would have been way more comfortable in the camp of fasting and praying than I would have been in eating and drinking. So that's, that's my background. I'd, I would have been way more comfortable saying, yeah, I'll fast and I'll pray for people, but I would have been less comfortable eating and drinking with them. But in global, we're definitely more about eating and drinking. and We do do fasting and praying occasionally, but not as much as we eat and drink. So these are my three Ds for enjoying life, and they are dinner parties, dan- uh, drinking and dancing. It's very biblical, as you can see in the scripture, they went on eating and drinking. And they weren't talking about drinking water, by the way, they were talking about drinking wine. They're not, you know, you will not pick up on someone, oh, they drink lots of water, this group. It's like they were drinking wine at their parties, they were having fun. The, the party was a great banquet, they were loving life, And, you know, for us, dinner parties, it should be the highlight of the week. And it is for me. When I go to a dinner party, it's so much fun. You just get to hang out with people. You get to eat and drink uh, and enjoy life. Talk about all the stuff that's going on in our world. You know, listen to a summary of the talk from Sunday and then actually apply it in your life. It's an amazing opportunity that we all have. Like Anna was saying, every single week we have parties. It's good fun. Uh, Drinking. This is a, this is genuinely, this is a church talk with a point called drinking. And uh, this is that Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say, go into the safe places, go into the churches, go into the synagogues, go into, you know, the places where the religious people are. I says, go into the whole world. And that's what we do as global. After, you know, tonight, after the Spurrogate service, we'll go into the Biltmore. We'll go and we will drink with people. We will have fun with people. Dancing, you know, as Anna was saying before, Dave and Shelley, they're the first on the dance floor. They're the last to leave the bar. They're the first to pay for the drinks. It's a full life. And this is, what, this is, the, this is kind of our example in church. We want to live life to the full. We want to be on the dance floor. Um, you know, I've had a few parties recently where people have thought afterwards, like, Sam was really drunk last night. And people have said to him, no, he just really likes dancing. Like, <laughs> and it's true, anyway. So um, my second point is live loving. So the first one, love living, this one's live loving. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So my question to you is, do you love yourself? Because if you don't love yourself, you've got nothing to give. You've got nothing to, you you can't give to other people what you don't have. Um, And when I say loving yourself, I'm not just talking about going to the shops and spending loads of money on yourself and thinking, oh yeah, that's how I love myself. I treat myself or I eat loads of ice cream or, or whatever it is. Um, But do you love yourself? Do you exercise? Ouch. (laughs) Do you have genuine friendships like Anna was talking about? Are you good with people? Do do your finances look healthy? Because these are ways of loving yourself, the the working at these things. You know, we had that picture, which can we get that holistic picture up at the back? of you know we did this when we talked about the finances but this is what our life is made up of spiritual financial relationships and health and a healthy person attracts healthy people you know when we're talking about financial it's pretty obvious it's our finances it's it's kind of are we looking after it are we saving are we are we growing it you know rather than just like living a safe uh, safe life health are you healthy are you eating well are you exercising Uh, relationships. Are you good with people? Do you spend time trying to get better with people? Do you spend time with people? And the last one, spiritual. And this one, you can think like, oh yeah, well, I read my Bible or I I spend, I pray lots. And it's like, right, but do you feed your mind with good stuff? What's the stuff that's going into your mind? Is it positive or are you listening to all the negative stuff? Because that is part of your spiritual life is what you take in. You know, a great advert is someone where you can clearly see God at work in those four areas of their life, where you can see that God's working on their finances and they're open to it, where God's working on their health because they're thinking, I I need to get better at this or I need to lose a bit of weight or whatever it is. Um, And this is my last thing, is that um, I heard this phrase recently, which is like, don't join a movement, be a movement. And I think sometimes in church we can think, oh, we're part of global church. We're the party church, but you're not. You're sat at home watching Netflix or whatever. And it's like, so you're not the party church. You're just part of the party church. And I want to say, don't join a movement, be a movement. You know, for you to be influential in your life, you've got to be that change that you want to see. You have to be flexible and teachable, and you have to change.
0: From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.